everybody. Welcome to Revival Town Podcast. I'm Chuck Tate. That's Andy King. Chuck Tate. Andy, how are you, mate? Well, I was going to ask you how your back is from all the snow removal, but you just told me. <laughs> I have a snowblower. He's 14. His name is Ashton. <laughs> <laughs> Man, we I can't remember the last time we got this much snow. Yeah, we, we have had a lot. Now, my wife was like, oh, I thought it was going to be more. Uh, and it, you know, it was pretty bad. But I was I like, mean, <laughs> we had to call in cat to get us out of the house. Or the, get the, get the back, the backhoe up and oh. dig a tunnel. But um, yeah, I wish we got more. <laughs> Thanks, Teresa. <laughs> uh, but, you know, they were, they were forecasting. A lot more. Yeah, they were. You know, they but were saying maybe a, a, a foot and a half. We got close to a foot. Yeah, yeah. Peoria, you know, we were a good foot. We, we live about, what, five miles from each other. Yeah. Like and, uh, yeah, I mean, we, for us, obviously, with a homeless shelter at Dream Center, we don't shut down for anything. So we had staff sleeping in some of our apartments so that they could serve the next day. Wow. You know, so. Uh, yeah, that's cool. So, yeah, so is it, but we got hit. But at the right time, you know why? Why? Winter Olympics. Whimper. Whimper. I'm whimper. <laughs> whimper Olympics. What's in that Winter coffee? Olympics. Yeah, perfect timing to watch the ski jump. Eddie uh, the Eagle, man. Eddie, oh. Dude, I'm talking about him in my next book. You are? Yeah. yeah. I, did you ever see the film they I did? I did. Oh, I've bought Love that. It. That was a good film. Yeah, it was great. Great film. So much. The thing that was great about that film is how everything was... You know, when he did that, it was in the 80s. I was in school. I remember all of that. Wow. And so when you watch the movie, that whole thing looks like it's in the 80s. Yeah, they did such a great job. But he was a, I mean... Character. Yeah, the biggest loser ever. I mean, he, he didn't get anywhere, but yeah. yet... Nobody believed in him. Yeah. Nobody. Yeah. So... So there we go. So, okay, question. Yeah. And we, we asked this question later to our guest, but... If you could do any Winter Olympic sport, what would it be? Hands down, ski jumping. Oh, yeah. You want to be an Eddie I, I Eagle. I want to fly, baby. Until <laughs> <laughs> so I strapped in and got up got up there, I'd probably like, no, I think I'm going to stick to curling. Yeah. <laughs> Give me a broom <laughs> in this bowling ball pan. Does anyone really get that sport? I mean, no. yeah. I was watching it the other night, and me and Teresa were like, why are they shuffling the ice in front of it? And it's, it's, it's interesting. It's Scottish, they came up with it. You, you, know, you know what it's, I mean? It's, it's the goofiest sport I've ever seen, yet I can't look away. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's stupid. Uh, it, suck, <laughs> it sucks the end, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, how about you? What would you do? Let me guess. Figure skating. <laughs> <laughs> there he is, the plucker from England. <laughs> uh, you know, I love... I love I can't do it at all but I love watching snowboarding yeah that yeah Sean White oh man come on man he's got to do it this year yeah but yeah I I think that's what it'd be it'd be be snowboarding that would be cool you know it's weird when you watch it you don't realise that that whole what are the the pipe right yep Yep. is like vertical I mean it's like going down a slope whenever you watch it you just think it's straight yeah it's not man but it is like Really going for it. So, so let me ask you something. Have you ever snowboarded? With the boys back in the day, I would I would do it then. But nothing like, you know, no, yeah. nothing like going on a real one. Have you? Um, I have. I rented a snowboard 
This is, man, a long, long time ago. I went on a ski trip, and I returned the board in like 10 minutes and got skis. Because I'm like, you know what? It's gonna, it would take me a couple weeks to really learn it. Yeah. And, um, but I've been skiing in Colorado probably eight or nine times. Mm. Used to go every year and just um, love it. One of my very favorite things to do. And, in fact, one of the trips that I went on, we had a professional skier who used to train for the Olympics. And, um, you know, my good friend Jason, a good friend of yours. Yeah, yeah. We call him OJ. Um, <laughs> we've gone together skiing on this ski trip year, years and years. And this guy, his name was Bronson. He's like, hey, come with me. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think I know he where took this us is going. On a black diamond. We're oh. talking experts, but we didn't know it until it was too late. And I got to be honest with you, I screamed mommy all the way down. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't fall. We made it. Oh, Did man. a black diamond with an Olympian. Uh, you know who, I know most people listening, but this is like a conversation. You may not know this guy, but Dave Jane used to do skiing instruction on the black diamonds. Really? Yeah, in the Swiss Alps when he grew up. In the Swiss Alps? That's where he would go over there with a a Christian company that was like a skiing company, and he would teach them. Dave is one of the local pastors here. He's an English guy who uh, was in my wedding. I mean, great So a lot of people mistake you two. Absolutely. That's the crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Although he has a beard now. So if people mistake us now, it's like, open your eyes. Yeah, so funny Uh, story about Dave. I had him on a podcast that I used to host called 41 Strong. And I think he was episode like, you know, 148 or something. I mean, it was, and I introduced him as my good friend, Dave Jane. And he's like, your good friend who took you 148 episodes to get on the show. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> nice, Mike. <laughs> uh, I have never done skiing. Now, wa- what? Never done skiing. I've done water skiing, love water skiing. Okay. Um, and surfing. I think that's why I would go more with the snowboard. The snowboard. Yeah. Um, but never done skiing. And it's so fun. I don't know. Yeah, snowboarding's cool too. It. I mean, I surfed a, a few times, and yeah, so you would think that. Yeah. My boys are taking up, well, Clay especially is taking up surfing out. And he had an experience actually, a rip, riptide took him pretty bad. Like his friend had to drag him out of it just, just recently. Oh, man. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, he was telling me about it the other week, and I was like, Dude, you gotta be, be careful. careful, you know, because it's them things are serious. Yeah, yeah. So, anyway, got nothing, <laughs> nothing really to do with the podcast, but we have a friend on today um, who was on staff with me down at Crosspoint, and back then she was doing video work and creative work. Now so we've had a lot of people from. Yeah, I'm going through the list. Next week. So this is Jimmy. He was the janitor at Crosspoint <laughs> for six years. <laughs> <laughs> and um, not only is he a janitor, <laughs> he is a professional curler. <laughs> Watch him on NBC tonight. Uh, oh, no, but Lindsay yeah. uh, was one of the creatives there. But then um, a few years ago, about five years ago, I had this opportunity to get involved with Seed India, uh, which is a... <laughs> so I'm looking at, at Chuggy spitting out his coffee as oh, I'm talking to him. Um, but she no. now runs this organization from Nashville, raising the funds, bringing awareness. 
Uh, I'm just going to let her tell the story because it is really cool. You are going to want to get involved with Seed India after hearing Lindsay today. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this conversation with Lindsay. This podcast is part of the Edify Podcast Network. Edify is a faith-inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment. Cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today. Download the Edify app for free from the App Store or Google Play or by going to edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I dot app. All right, everyone, it's time for another conversation on Revival Town Podcast. Our guest today, Lindsay Molander, is the executive director of Seed India. She oversees the daily operations, marketing, and events of Seed India from her home in Nashville, Tennessee, and gets to work closely with the team of people on the ground in Kolkata who are bringing hope and redemption to a community that's starving for it. Lindsay, welcome to Revival Town Podcast. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Lindsay, it's great to see you. Uh, Chuck, I know we had talked about this um, before uh, we got rolling, but Lindsay and I were on staff at Crosspoint. It feels like most people that we've had on this <laughs> podcast. Of, that's great. Bit, <laughs> but, uh, but Lindsay did a lot of different things, uh, and I know she'll get into that, um, because she has a very unique job. Okay, so as most people know that are listening, I'm the executive director of Dream Center Peoria, which is a nonprofit here in Peoria, the difference between my job and what Lindsay does is I I physically go, right, to the Dream Center. What Lindsay does is she's the executive director of an amazing organization. She's going to get into it. But she's based in Nashville, but yet is looking after this organization in India. Yeah. So it's going to be it's going to be a great yeah. conversation how she pulls it off. I think she's like Superwoman where she's flying back and forth. And, um, but, Lindsay, it is great to see you again. And we yeah, are really excited to find out a little bit more about what you do. I know there's yeah. a lot of people that are listening that um, I've never heard of uh, Seed India or what you do. So yeah. can you just welcome them to your world a little bit? Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, hi y'all. I'm I'm thrilled to be here. This is so fun, and you know, it's I love I love what I do. So getting to share it is such a unique experience for me because I just I'm so passionate about the work that they're doing on the ground. Um, so that's what I do in the states is just get to invite people into their story. Um, and that they have quite the story. And so, um, you know, what, what we get the opportunity to do here in Nashville and, you know, all over the States, I mean, it really doesn't matter where you're from, um, is, is bring hope to a really desolate community of people. So they are born and raised in poverty. Um, they have very, very little opportunity. And so that's what that's what seed strives to do is bring opportunity where there previously wasn't any. Um, and you know, so we're working in the slums of Calcutta and we're doing, we're, we, I say we, it is them. I mean, they are the true heroes. I just get to be the chief storyteller of what they are doing on the ground. Um, you know, I, I say it's, it's, it's different because I'm not physically there. Um, but I just get to travel and share content and share stories and, you know, and it's a joy of my life. It really is. 
And I love your website. You, you go right onto the website, and the first thing that hits you is radically transforming communities. Yeah. And um, you mentioned poverty, and obviously, with with the work that I do, you know, we're working with families that are in poverty, but it's different. The U.S. Is poverty is a lot different um, than something in India. Can you yeah. paint the the picture of the type of poverty? that you guys are working with and then how are you trying absolutely. to transform that? Yeah, absolutely. So um, poverty in a developing country like India is tricky because um, once you're in it, there's really no, you know, you're, you're, you're born into this, this birthright. So you didn't, you didn't have any say it's generational poverty. You, you sit in it, their parents were in it, their grandparents were in it. So when you grow up, when you're born into this world, there's no hope for anything else. Um, you are, you know, you're born in a slum. You don't have medical care. You don't have your, you know, they're all pretty much all the men have one job and that is being a rickshaw puller and you make about $3 a day. The women wow. are completely illiterate. Um, they have absolutely no education and they have one job and that is to be a maidservant and they make about $2 a day. And so there's just no, there's no opportunity for anything else. And so, you know, we sit here and we, you know, we saw, you know, every time, every time I go, I'm blown away by their perseverance, perseverance, but it, it's still so tricky because the cycle just continues and continues and continues. And Mm. so what, Seed decided to do 13 years ago, which is just mind-boggling to me. But in 2009, around 2009, um, it was born out of Compassion International. Our team, um, India, is very, very hard to be a Christian. Um, you know, if you've read anything, it is the t- one of the top 10 hardest countries to be a believer in the world. Um, and it's getting worse. And so um, Compassion International was kicked out of India because they were a faith-based organization. We are a faith-based organization, but we have to do it a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're always, you know, the way that we share stories and the way that we tell what's going on over there, we have to be very, very careful that they're not going to get in trouble. Um, but one of the things, you know, but being our, our staff, our co-founders, Piaz and Jayshree, who do this day in and day out, seven days a week, um, they, they were cross, uh, they were, um, Compassion International staff. And then they knew they just felt this pull to help a slum community. They saw kids every single day on their way to the office playing in this pile of garbage. And that is seed was born from this. We, that, that's not okay. Right. We can't, we can't keep driving by and seeing kids playing garbage and not do anything about it. And so they, and seed was born and you know, seed stands for save, equip and trust disciple. Um, and that is kind of what the organization inc- tries to encompass every day. So they're trying to holistically cover the needs of every single person living within our projects. We can't cover all of India. There's billions of people. There's 15 million people in Calcutta alone. But what they can do is focus on very specific projects um, where they get to pour everything they have and all the resources resources that God has given these two people at that point and go, we're just going to love them as well as best that we can. And what that looks like is everything from making sure that they, you know, we, we're going to end malnourishment. So these families know that they are, you know, that they can count on a full meal every single day. We're going to bring um, sanitation into the slum. You know, they've, they're, they're washing their clothes, they're cooking their food in the exact same 
um, hole in the ground water that you know they use for everything. They, that means they have skin diseases and stomach diseases. And mm-hmm. so, hey, if we build a well, that means that the sickness declines. That mean you know, and it's it's very basic needs that they have decided that if we get if we help facilitate some of that change, um, we can also form this relationship with them and eventually start sharing the gospel. And so that's, it's, you know, helping you physically first with the hope that we're going to help you spiritually next. Um, And so that's kind of how it was born. It's what it was started out in one slump community. And then, I mean, it, it just, they just kept growing. They kept seeing needs. And as people, obviously funding, funding helps. Um, but as people started hearing about what was going on and churches like cross point, and we've got a couple of, you know, really awesome church partners started hearing about it and they started backing what they were doing. We started, we, you know, we were able to invite more people into the help that they were offering. So what started as one slum community has grown into three slum communities has grown into around eight church plants. And, um, now we also have two residential dream homes that, um, pull kids from the most dangerous of situations. So we have like a 99% physical and sexual abuse rate in the slum. So it is. Yep. So men, um, men in our slum communities are almost guaranteed to be alcoholics. They're almost guaranteed to have drug use. They're almost guaranteed, um, and and what happens is that they they they'll work as rickshaw pullers during the day and then spend all of their money um, on alcohol because they have to you know they're helping nurse their habit uh, um, and so because you know while they're while they're drinking while they're um, under the influence of in some degree they're also it's there's a lot of domestic violence in the home and so a lot of those a lot of our girls um, are susceptible to severe severe. Um, abuse and whether that's sex- sexual, physical, or emotional, um, it's really, really, it's really hard. It's wow. it's hard to watch. And so, what they decided was, if we can get if we can get those girls out of that situation and put them up in a residential hostel, um, boarding boarding home, the whole thing, um, they might have a fighting chance. So, the girls' dream home was born out of this. We got to get these girls out of these completely dangerous situations, um, and. And it's, I mean, we're five years into the girls' dream home. And um, and then they started dreaming about, well, if the girls graduate from this program, if they're back in school, if they're no longer worried about child labor and trafficking, you know, India has such a huge sex tra- trafficking rate. And so if we're not worried about that anymore because these girls are now safe in our girls' dream home, and then they graduate, who are they going to marry? Because if they marry a, a boy in the slum, they, they're going to walk right back into that life. Mm. So then the boys' dream home was born um, in 2018 to start raising up boys um, with a completely different mindset, sharing you know the gospel, teaching them English and music and dance. We've got everything from therapy, music therapy, and um, trauma counseling. I mean, it is, wow. what they are doing is all over the map they're they're covering every single need and it is and i just get to i just get to talk about it over here <laughs> wow uh, yes sorry that yeah. was a lot of words no that's good <laughs> no i love love it Lindsay. so so i'm i'm a pastor here in the peoria area and uh, started a church 23 years ago okay. and i have always i have never been to india i've been invited haven't had the opportunity to, to go i was invited pre-covid and we'll see what yeah. happens in the future but um my 
one of my childhood pastors, he's, he's passed away now, he had a thriving ministry in India. He was a pastor of just a small church here in Illinois, but he did monstrous crusades in India, and he would go several times a year. That was, that was his passion. And then we have a, a, a dear friend of yeah. ours who lives in India. He's from India. He's a pastor there, and he leads a, a Bible college and has um, conducted That's several awesome. church plants. So our church is actually, um, we've built a couple wells. We built a church over there. Wow. And this, this guy, his name is Pastor um, Stefan Sagali, and he's from Hubli, India, or Hubli. I don't even okay. know how to pronounce it. Um, but um, so we You sound so intellectual. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So... We've had him at the church um, several times pre-COVID, and now he's scheduled to come back. In fact, this this March, we'll see him in a, in a couple months. And we have a family in our congregation who feels called to India as well. So um, there it's close goal. close There's to my heart. So I love, yeah. yeah, I love hearing. Yeah. I feel like I've been there. I haven't, but I, I love this. <laughs> Obviously, you went there. Did, did you, did this, this calling, if you will, this bug that got you, was it a result yeah. of taken one trip there or through a bunch of relationships? How, how did this get started for you? The answer is yes. And, <laughs> um, so I have always felt called to international missions to some degree. I don't, I, you know, I think that I, I talk about this all the time, but I feel like, I feel like God, like, gives you these, like your heart pull is pulled to different causes and you can't care about all the causes but you, you can help one. And so ever, I mean, I was 12 and I went on a short-term mission trip to Mexico. And then, so I did that all through high school. And then when I was 18, I went to El Salvador. When I was 19, I went to Haiti. And I just, for some reason, going to all of these developing nations and seeing, seeing both heartbreak and hope and all, and this mix of beautiful goodness in all of it, um, it did something to me. So I ended up, um, I ended up going to college for, uh, for, for missions and anthropology, which was this super unique degree at a Christian school in Philly. Um, I, with nonprofit management with the hope that maybe someday I'll work in, in a nonprofit, international nonprofit. I had no idea. I kept, I kept landing in church ministry. And that was, I graduated from college and church ministry was, was just what kept coming up. And I kept, I just was like, well, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe this isn't the full-time gig. Maybe this is what I do. This is the passion project. So this is what I do on the side of my church ministry job, um, which is absolutely not how I ended up working out. It just took a little bit longer than I had anticipated. Um, but when I got hired at Crosspoint in 2015, um, Crosspoint has always been really passionate about international missions. And, and I'm, I've always been really thankful for that because it really, I mean, it changed the outcome of everything that I'm doing right now. Um, in 2016, I was asked to lead a trip to India. I didn't even, I mean, last minute, one of the pastors canceled and I got a call from our missions pastor that said, do you want to go to India in three weeks? India had absolutely never been on my radar. I didn't know what I was doing. Um, I wasn't prepared to go to Asia. I mean, it's just, it was so for literally so foreign. And so, but I just, it, yeah, it, it did something to me one week in a country like India. And I'm like, okay, now what, 
what do I do with this, all this new, like it's, you're just in overdrive and you tell, like you come back with so many, um, with so many moments of like, I'm heartbroken and I'm, I'm weirdly obsessed (laughs) and I love them and I hate this and I hate what, what, how Mm. they're, how they're living, but it's, but they're beautiful and joyful and colorful. I mean, it's such a colorful, rich culture that you're just like pulled and drawn to it. And so one, I mean, that one trip in 2016, and then all of a sudden I was like, I have to do something. This is, this, this, I couldn't just forget about it. And like, I absolutely was like, this is, this is it. What does that mean? I don't know. I can't just go and work. I don't, Honestly, India is such a hard place that I did not, I was like, I'm not, I'm not a missionary. That's not what I, that's not what I want. I don't, I never felt called to move there. But what I loved about Seed so much from day one, which because of what I went to school for, because of all my other international trips, one of the things that I've always been really, really passionate about is local serving locals. So one of the things that Seed is so brilliant at seed in India um, is so brilliant at is that we don't have, we don't have any staff that are Indian. And so they are, our, our pastors went to the local Calcutta Bible college. Our founders are born and raised in Calcutta. Our, you know, every single one of our teachers, they are locals. They, we have, you know, brought them up through our through the education system in Calcutta. They, I mean, they are locals loving their own. And that is absolutely how I think it should be. And that is like, I got really passionate about that element of seed. Um, they don't need me to move there. They didn't need me. I was not, you know, I'm not, I'm never going to know better, but what I can do from the States is tell people about it. And that was way more vital to the work that they're doing than me ever being physically in India. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's kind of how all this happened. And then, you know, fast forward, I've been to India two or three times a year after that pre pre COVID. Come on, Lord, let me go back. But, um, <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, all the way up to February, 2020, where, you know, again, at that point we're in India watching the news about this so-called coronavirus, And I'm sitting there making jokes with, you know, I'm laughing at people wearing masks because I thought it was all a joke. And, um, little did we know, Two full, two full years later, how much this would overtake everything, and they've just been through it with COVID. I mean, I know if you've seen the news in the last year, you know India got took a huge, huge hit. Um, but you know, I, that's that's how this happened. I mean, it was just this series of events through church ministry, and then in um, I got asked to work part time in 2019, so I was doing church ministry full time, seed at night. Um, but with this pull to do more, I wasn't, you know, I wanted to give it my all. Um, and so February, 2021, one year ago, exactly. I, um, I got the opportunity to come on full time. And so that's, that's where I sit now, um, is in this really unique, I am the one and only staff member. Um, I'm doing, you know, every, everything that you see outwardly is probably something that I've done. Um, and it is the, it is the biggest honor of my entire life that this is the work that God has given me. I mean, I just, I really do feel like it's a complete gift. Like it was landed in my lap and given to me when I absolutely don't deserve it because I'm like, and that's, that's how you, that's how you know, right? That's how you know that you're in where you're supposed to be. Yeah. Well, if you could just be a little bit more passionate about it, I think. (laughs) 
I do want to go back on something that you said, and I'm actually going to yeah. uh, ruffle some feathers for folks that are listening right now. Okay, okay, um, I'm curious. So, so you talked about the staff that are in India are all from India. They're locals. They live and breathe it. Yep. I read a book um, a few years back now, but it literally changed the way we do ministry at the Dream Center. And um, it's a book called Toxic Charity. And, okay. and this book was written by a guy in Atlanta. Uh, Lockton is his last name. Sorry, I can't remember his first name. Any pastor should really read it. Any Anyone in church ministry should really read it because it goes again. And this isn't a book that's slamming missionaries, but what it is, do or, or even missions trips, right? A lot yep. of churches yep. do missions trips. When I was at Crosspoint, um, I was given with the task of being over local and uh, global uh, mm-hmm. outreach. And um, I love the way Crosspoint did it, and many churches do it, because they're not trying to be... Um, the lone ranger going into a, a community and saying, yep. well, we're, we're the, the Americans, we're Westerners, we're going to fix your problems, right? Yep. This right. book focused on that, on um, instead of sending a team of 30 people into a village and trying to do everything, send, think about all that money involved of 30 mm-hmm. people, right? Instead yep. of doing that, Go in with a smaller team, but then if you're going to go in and say do um, a bathroom renovation, hire someone locally with yep. the money from the 30 that would have gone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then down the road, if something breaks in that kitchen or in that bathroom that's been fixed, the yep. guy who did it is there. Yep. And let's be honest, I mean, I moved from England to America and... You, the Americans build things differently over here than England, and it's and it's you know very similar. You now go and try and do that in India, doing it our way. Yeah, it can really bring problems. And so, this whole toxic charity, the whole book was really about um, the whole in trying to enable people rather than equip them. Mm-hmm. And and we That's see it. we see it over here all the time, right? Mm-hmm. And and. You know, even at the Dream Center, we've got some things that we do that are what I would call freebies, right? We give away two and a half thousand backpacks loaded with school supplies for kids in need because um, the school district here in Peoria um, is really struggling. Okay, so we knew that was a need and we knew we could give it to them. But it was a connecting point to all the other programs that we do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so... Doing freebies, there is there is a place for it, right? But we want to make sure that we're helping people along. And for us, dignity is a big deal. And so mm-hmm. to be able to give folks on the ground who live in that area the dignity to work, mm. give them a wage, be able to get them involved within what they're doing, rather than sending someone else in, um, I think that's huge, and I, I would I would challenge any leader to read Toxic Charity because it will change the way you do missions. It will change the way you do local uh, mission. Yeah. Um, it, it's oh, so it's my list. I haven't read it. Oh, it's, you'll love it. You'll love it. Yeah, and, okay. And yeah, well, def- 
I lo- I'm sorry to interrupt. Yeah, I, lo- yeah. I love what you said, Lindsay. They are locals loving their own. Yeah. Yeah. That's it right they there. Are. That's it. But you are living proof that you can still have an impact from the states globally. Yes. You can still sow yes. seed, no pun intended. You yes. have an opportunity. Well, think about it, Chuck. You know, we all go to these concerts, right? Every concert you go to, there's that 20 minute spiel from Compassion, uh, from all these different, and which is good. Yeah. But just think about that concept. All the guys at, at you know, the headquarters is in Colorado right yeah for compassion they're all over here really raising awareness and funds so that people can do it on the ground that's exactly what Lindsay is doing uh from from uh nashville yeah Yeah. um let's talk a little bit about covid okay um did you hear about this thing called covid chuck you know what um i'm i'm I, I didn't hear what you said, and he's a COVID. Again. Wait a minute, you threw me there for a minute. Yeah, um. I want, I want, I, you know <laughs> yeah. how how is it first for where the folks are on the ground for you guys? Yeah, um, yeah. You know, the UK got hit really hard. Italy got yeah, hit did. really hard. India got hit really hard. Can you just paint the picture of what? Yeah. What it's like? Yeah. So we had a we had a call last night with our team um, in India on Zoom and. It was, it was the first time that they seemed to be, they seemed to have hope mm. that COVID could slow down. I have not heard that from them in two years. Yeah. Every call, about every single month, we get on a call with them. We pray with, we pray together. We're just, we get an, a full, you know, let's get a full update. Let, I want, I want the whole picture of what is actually happening. Um, because I will never, again, I'll never understand we it's been bad in the states absolutely it's been bad in the states but in india throughout all of spring of 2021 they had so many deaths that they couldn't they couldn't figure out where to put bodies so they're throwing bodies in the river and that was that was a good chunk of their 2021 the the picture of that again i wasn't even there i didn't i didn't see that but you just imagine that there's so many deaths, so many people in the hospital that when someone dies, they're like, we have no place to put this person. Um, that they, they're throwing them in the Ganges River in the middle of the city. And so that, you know, how horrific for both the people driving by, the people walking by, the family members who know that they're, you know, that they're this, this person, this person that they love was just thrown out and just discarded. Um, and, and those are the stories that I heard for a year and a half, um, of, of just horrific COVID situations. Um, not enough oxygen, not enough ventilation, not enough, not enough, not enough. And our teams, um, dealt with, so our, our teams in India, they, like our staff team, they, they all got COVID. They all got pretty sick. No, we didn't lose anyone. Praise the Lord. Not mm. one person died from COVID in the last two years. Wow. Um, and I just believe God protected them in that because it doesn't make sense. It absolutely does not make sense. They yeah. weren't, they weren't healthy enough for that to have happened. And so I'm like, all right, Lord, like you just, you protected them in every way. Um, but they, they kind of had to shift, which I know a lot of nonprofits did into being more, we're not humanitarian aid. We're not, you know, that's not, that's not why we exist. We exist 
to um, to really love and serve people, but we're not humanitarian aid, and so we weren't we're, we're not facilitated. We, you know, we couldn't facilitate all the need, but what we could do is okay. All of our families lost jobs. One hundred percent of our families lost work during all of COVID. Um, they were locked down on lockdown, complete lockdown. You could not leave your homes for months, and so knowing that. Well, let, what, let's, let, know, let me pause you. Pause you there. Yeah. Think about that, right? When we went on lockdown, we could put an online order at Kroger's or <laughs> Walmart and get food delivered. I know. When they locked down, was not, it was mm-hmm. locked down, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. And with no preparation. So it's not like they could stock up at the store before. It was like, hey, we're starting in an hour. And so what you had and so yeah, okay, if you had if you had um, resources. If you had money, you were you could be better prepare for a situation like that. You already had stocked, you know, stocked up food in your house. But if you're from a slum community and you live in a stick and a tarp, and you're already not, you already aren't eating three meals a day. You already don't have resources. You already are only making two dollars a day for your, you know, being a maid servant. And then all you lo- completely lose work. You cannot leave your house. What? what do you do? And so what ended up happening is our, our, our founders and a couple of us, our full-time staff in India, they, um, they got special permission from the government to basically become a humanitarian aid organization for on a temporary basis. So they were able to go to the local markets during lockdown and hand deliver groceries. Um, And that's, that was, I mean, that was two years of that, of consistently, um, consistently showing up for people with bags of groceries. And that's basically all they could do. Um, You know, our programs are shut down. Our kids are home. Our dream homes were on complete lockdown. So the safety of our kids were at risk. I mean, it was, there were so many pieces to this, but at least they ate, at least they knew that for the next two weeks, which is, they they came at two weeks at a time. um, You know, they had potatoes and rice and some chicken breasts and, you know, or some dates, like there was just a very few and they just bought in bulk. And I mean, and the, the, the thing about inflation in a country like that is that not all like they, they, um, they utilize the need. And so they, they just increase prices of groceries exponentially. And so not only is it hard to leave your home, you cannot leave your home. You're on lockdown 23 hours a day. But now the price of groceries are astronomical. I mean, it was just this crazy, wow. like, my brain couldn't even fathom it. It still can't. Wow. Um, they still have some lockdown to some degree, even today. You know, they can't leave their house between 10 and 6 a.m., 10 p.m. and 6 a.m. Um, but, but at this point, it feels to me like there is hope for reprieve. It feels like that last night's call with them made me feel like, okay, like, <clears throat> there might be, there might be some hope here. Um, our, you know, she said, our Jay Shree, our, our founder said, um, she said, you know, she said our women, um, who work as maid servants in these wealthier families, homes, she said, instead of, you know, they usually have like six clients that they clean their homes, but now they have three, but at least they have three, whereas six months ago they had zero. And so it's just, it's little bits of progress. Wow. Um, I I was just, I was just doing a bit of, uh, Google searching while you were talking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So India had 42 million cases of it yeah. with half a million deaths. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is, that's massive. Yeah. Half yeah. a million deaths. And I, yeah. and I bet you a lot of that um, COVID is involved, but also I bet you there's starvation involved as well. Oh, yeah. Not oh, being yeah. able to get out, not being able to get food. Sure. Um, yep. Crazy. Can you, can you go in, in depth a little bit on the dream homes because i remember when we were in nashville one of the dollar clubs back then yeah um, that they did this huge offering to get this dream home going can you just go in because i think absolutely people will really connect with this mm-hmm. uh, and yeah. will want to get involved uh, so you yeah, just do absolutely. that absolutely yeah so in um so our girls are girls in the slum so we again we have three church project uh, three cross uh, wow three slum projects and um, three full-time. So we've got other slums that we serve to some degree. They get, you know, they get some food and we pray with them and, you know, but three full-time, which basically means um, we have, we, you know, we do our best to serve them five, five, six days a week. Um, They know that they're getting a meal. They know that we've got tutors going in, going in to teach. We know that, you know, education rates have plummeted. And so we're really doing our best to bring teachers to them. They have no excuse not to go to school. Um, But what that means, and obviously for specifically for girls um, and women, but girls in India is that they have no rights. Um, and so, you know, the expectation to marry when you're 12, 13 years old, the expectation for 12 or 13 year old boys to go off to work, you're pulled out of school, um, the expectation to do to submit to your husband in any form or fashion, you know, it is they have they have no rights, they have no say. And so um, what we what C decided was that these girls, they need an out. Um, they need an avenue for for getting an education and not just hey yeah i can read because that is already progress from their parents before them the our our women have like a hundred percent illiteracy rate in our in the slums so these women for the very first time are being taught to read as 30 40 year olds because they have never had the opportunity so they you know with 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 their daughters now we're like okay if we start young if we start young, these girls might have a fighting chance. And so the dream, the girls dream home was born out of one um, safety. These girls are at risk every day of their lives. They're at risk from, you know, of abuse from their dads, their uncles, their grandfathers, whoever is in their house. Um, They're at risk of, um, you know, being, being married at 12 years old, having kids by 13, 14, 15, and that's their life. There's no, you can't get out of that once you're in it. And so, um, you know, so the hope was that if we started them young, if we put them in this, in this safety, this place filled with safety and hope and love and care, um, where they receive full time around the clock, um, around the clock, just, just care, you know, I mean, it is, then maybe they, maybe they'll, they're going to create something of themselves. And that's how, that's how the cycle of poverty will end in India. And that's what they believe is that it's going to start with those kids in the dream homes. Um, the dream homes are special there. It's especially special to me. Um, I tell people all the time that the girl's dream home is the closest place to heaven you'll ever be in your lifetime. And I say that because, it is, it's filled with, um, we have around 45 girls there now, which is just mind boggling. We started it with 16 in 2016. Um, and now we're up to 45 and 
these girls have their histories are they're they're sick you know it's it's mess it's messed up when you hear their stories when you hear their stories of sexual and physical abuse you know we've got girls that attempted suicide because it got so bad we have girls um that were trafficked on the bangladesh border and they were pulled you know by by the local police force i mean these stories are horrific and then and then this mind shift mind shift starts to change for them and they're getting trauma therapy and they're getting you know they're learning to read and they're learning they're reading they're learning to scripture for the first time and reading the Bible and learning English and doing music and dance. And so they're healing. That's what Mm. the dream homes do is they let these girls exhale and heal. Um, And so that it's, it's just such a unique situation because um, you know, in what there's just no other way that they would have been able to survive it. um, If they had not, if our teams had not gone, this is a need. I don't know what we're going to do about this, but we have to do something. And so thus the girls dream home was born. And then, you know, three years later, four years later, um, they started again, started dreaming about, well, who are these girls going to marry once they graduate from school? Because they can't, we do not want them to go back to the slum. The ultimate goal is that they can stand on their own two feet and not end up back in the slum. So whether that is, so they're never kicked out of the dream homes. This is not like you graduated 18. This is, we know that they are going to find a job. We're going to find them a stable place to live. We're going to help them become stable adults. And, and so, you know, but again, what part of that is how do, how do we connect? There's so, you know, again, Christianity is about 2% in India. So there's not, you don't find a lot of local churches. And so how do we connect these girls that are graduating with believing solid dudes over here that are going to, you know, that are going to like spring up this new generation of believers who will not let that happen anymore, who won't let the abuse happen. I mean, it ends with them. And so, yeah, in 2018, the boys home dream home was built. Um, Crosspoint played a huge role in that, in the building of that one through the dollar club, through this special offering. Um, they raised $125,000 in one weekend to finish wow. off the boys dream home. Wow. Um, and I, yeah, I mean, it was just the most mind boggling thing. Not only did we raise $125,000, they actually raised more than that. And so we were able to surprise them with a bus, um, wow. so that the girls didn't have to walk like miles and miles to school anymore from the girls dream home, because it's like that red, red cakey dirt, and then oh. when it starts to rain, it's miserable. It's like mm. two miles, three miles. And so, you know, so anyway, through that offering, we're able to surprise them with a the bus. I mean, it was just, it's like phenomenal so cool. to look back at that time and go, I can't believe that there was a time when that didn't exist because of the impact it's made since 2018. Wow. These boys, I mean, they're, 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 we've got the first round of, um, of almost graduates. So, they're, you know, 22, 23 years old. They're behind in school. So the tech, you know, a lot of our kids can be 23 in the 10th grade because they were removed from school so young. Um, but, you know, we've got, we've got boys in vocational training. We've got boys that are going to university. We've got boys that, um, you know, they're, they're going to, they're going to change India as we know it. And it's yeah, really, really good. cool to watch. That's good. Wow. So yeah. fascinating. That's brilliant. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love the way that it's, um, you know, you saw the need for the girls and you saw the need for the guys. It does feel a little bit like the dating game, I gotta say. No, just, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, All right, it. guys, I we're know, gonna get we're gonna get you the best guys <laughs> on the planet. 
bust the, the girls to the guys. We're going to have a, a little get-together. That's ri- but th- Seriously, you are absolutely right. You go to all this work with these uh, young ladies, yeah. and then you're like, okay. Give them a different go life. Ba- go back to where you were. You can't do that. Yeah. You cannot do that, um, yeah. which is really, really cool. How... Um, how can people connect with you, Lindsay? We're going to pray in just a minute, but yeah. I, I do. I want people to really get behind what you guys are doing. I know there's a lot of people who listen to us. Uh, they love what the Dream Center is doing and what Rock Church is doing. Um, yeah. But this is a little bit different than what we've had yeah. on the podcast before where they they could really invest in into what you're doing to impact yeah. people yeah. Yeah, you on don't the other have side to get on a plane yeah. to make it to no. make a difference no nope. yeah. that's it so you how, how have to step foot there how can they how can they get involved yeah so www.seedindia.us head there go there first read about us there's stories um there's a story section and i always send people there because it's very individualized to specific kids in our dream homes and reading their stories makes the work personal. Um, so I, I'm, I do my best to update with the stories of what the dream home kids are doing on our website. Um, yeah, but seriously, follow us on Instagram, seed.india, you know, email me, (laughs) email me. I like love, obviously. I mean, I love talking about this. So, any chance I get to sit down for coffee, any chance I get to get on a Zoom call and just like share the vision, um, I want to do it. So I like, I really do. This is an invitation to be a part of really life-changing work. And you seriously never have to step foot in Calcutta. Unless you want to. And then oh, come on a future trip. See, see. <laughs> and then they do these small missions trips, not like It's 30, exactly, they yeah. do, we do. It's, yeah, they're more vision trips. So it's yeah. more just like, you know, a week of, let me just show you um, you know, there's no big construction, anything. It's really just like you get to meet them and love them and hold some kids' hands and hold really cute babies and get yeah. to know them and pray with them. That's really it. Brilliant. Um, but there's lots of different, yeah, lots of different ways to to serve both in Nashville and in India if that's, you know, ever anybody, something some people want to do. And people yes. can direct message you as well on on Insta and, and everything else. All of the things. Yeah, Great. Well, would you pray for us? I know there's probably someone listening that this has really hit them hard. It may be someone who, for the last two years, was planning on perhaps going on the missions field uh, to do something like this, and they're they're still here. It may be just the work you're doing has really stirred someone up. Can you just uh, take a moment to pray? Of course I will. God, um... We ask, we come to you um, and just ask that you you be near um, those that that are yearning for more, that have questions, that are curious. Um, God, I ask that we continue to stay curious. Um, I ask that those that are that are pulled, that feel their heart is pulled towards a specific direction and need, a community, a country, whatever the thing is that you know in the back of your head that you have not forgotten, God. I pray that um, you take the next right step um, and that 
you do you do the next right thing. I mean, we'll never fully know what that is, but I ask that you just provide a way, open the door, um, and just and just show us who you are through that process. Um, and just just we invite you into the process. That's that's where we are right now. We invite you into the process. Um, we love you, and we're thankful for the ways in which you are connecting. Um, human beings across the globe um, because that is such a unique experience to this time in history um, that you don't have to ever step foot in another country to serve that country Um, but that there's also there's needs everywhere and we ask that we ask for um, we ask for generosity we ask for um, we just ask that you just you continue to show up to where the needs are and meet us, meet, meet them, meet us where we are. Um, be near God, continue to love and protect everybody listening to this at this exact moment in time. Um, and we're thankful for your guidance um, as we move forward. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank Lin- you, Lindsay. Lindsay, it's been yes. great finding out about what you're doing. And, Thank you. Uh, but we want to find out more about you. So every podcast, we do the big three, which are the okay. big three questions that everyone's wanting to find out about. Uh, I'm ready. So I'll, I'll start off. You, you want me to start off? Yeah, yeah sure. All right. So uh, as, as we record this and as it airs, the Winter uh-huh. Olympics are on. Okay. Okay. If you could be in the Winter Olympics, what sport would you want to do? I, ooh, ooh, this is a tough one. Um, definitely, I love snow. Love snow. So if well, You should I, be up here right now because we've got like we got- two feet of it. It's terrible. <laughs> oh, and I'm born and raised in California. So this is the irony of my snow background is basically nil. But, and now that I live in Nashville especially, but I think... Like, give me a good, like, if in my next life, if I was to be in the Winter Olympics, I would want to do skiing or snowboarding, hands down. Mm. Give me something on the ice. And and I'm an adrenaline junkie anyway, so I think the fast-pacedness of that could be so fun. Yeah, last night I was watching, uh, because it's crazy. The The opening ceremony is tonight, right? We record this on a Friday. The opening ceremony is tonight. Well, it's happened already. It's happening right now, but um, but there's been things going on for the last two days. Why don't they just do the yeah. opening ceremony on Tuesday night? Yeah, you know what I mean. Anyway, that's I will peeve. never know. I yeah. will never. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they were doing the the big like um, skiing from the highest point, and I'm like, they, oh. they said, "Oh, we are hitting. They're hitting 95 miles an hour." I'm like, "No way." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I, yeah, I, I, I love the ski jump crazy i love that ski jump yes and then you like watch curling and you just have more questions about how that's part of the yeah 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 Yeah, absolutely okay chuck you got all right well i'm gonna i'm gonna switch gears from the olympics to the super bowl the super bowl is this is being pre-recorded so the super bowl as people are listening to this episode is sunday who are you rooting oh, for? Are you going? For, are you for the Bengals or the Rams? I want to know. You're from California, so I, I have an idea. I know the answer, but you I could do be wrong. Have an idea. So I uh, don't care about football that much. Sorry. Yeah, that's, it's all good. Um, you like the commercials, though, right? I like the commercials and I like the food at a Super Bowl party. Um, but 
I am. I my dad is a lifelong Rams fan. Oh wow! Life. He's a lifer. I mean, he was watching them. You know, L.A., St. Louis, L.A. So I'm like, I. He would be so mad. <laughs> he would be so mad. But I really do. I like if I'm going to be a football fan, I'm probably going. It's probably a California team, unless the Tennessee Titans are playing, which is oh. a huge bummer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and. Chuck, you, you got to know where Cross Point is. Like it is right next to the Titan Stadium. So yeah. when there's game day, I, like I've, I've noticed that a, a lot of the guests that insane. we've had from Nashville are diehard oh, yeah. Titans fans. Oh yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, all right. Okay, all right. But I don't. Oh, I'm not a huge football fan. All, all that to say. Okay, all right. Unless it's the Titans. Unless it's, it's the Titans, okay, and then yeah. I have a poll. But go Rams on behalf of my dad. Okay. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Last question. Favorite okay. Indian meal? Ooh, I was going to ask this as a bonus question if, if you didn't ooh. ask it. Ooh. Yeah, Indian dish. Because I love okay. Indian food, so I'm, I'm ready for your answer. Okay, so I don't, I'm not a spicy food fan. So this is a very complicated question mm. um, because everything in India is uber, uber, <laughs> uber spicy. Yes. Oh. Um, but if I'm going to pick, it's, it's nothing with curry. Sorry, too spicy for me. Um, but I really like chicken biryani, which is, and, you know, it, it's, it's, it is authentic Calcutta. Like, it is what they eat with their hands every single day. It's cheap. Um, and it is this chicken rice dish that still has plenty of spices. And Indian naan on the oh, yeah, side. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hallelujah. Oh. We need to get Indian for lunch today. Man, I mean, I know naan, and then they make they make this obviously legit naan, but they make it. Mm. They have you can get garlic naan or cheese naan or butter naan. Any kind of naan, I'm for the naan. So good. So well, good. Yeah, I love butter chicken. That's my favorite Indian dish. Okay, okay, butter yeah, that's a good one with, with yeah. side of naan. Mm. Well, yep. Lindsay, it has been great having you on today, and. Uh, I know people that are listening have learned a lot about India and everything that you're doing. Uh, people, please go and check out uh, Seed India because it is an amazing organization. And Lindsay, thank you so much for coming on to Revival Town yeah. Podcast. Yeah. Thank you, Lindsay. Yes, Great meeting you. Yeah, y'all too. Andy, it's so good to see you again after five years. I know. Crazy. It's crazy. Time flies. Keep in touch, y'all. That's good. Thanks. That was pretty good. That was that was excellent. Thank you, Lindsay. I loved her passion. Oh yeah, and and for those that are listening, make sure you connect with her. Um, really good. Seedindia.us. Seed s e e d dot I mean, seedindia.us. Okay, all right. Oh, like people are even more confused now. <laughs> no. Well, hey, speaking of passion. Super Bowl Sunday. Oh. Who are you rooting for, man? Well, now that my boys are in L.A., mm. you know? Yeah. And it's going to be in L.A. It's going to be in L.A., yeah. Did you see that um, Did you see that thing on, on Instagram, That what the NFL came out with? <laughs> so, they, <laughs> so they feel it's got a little bit one-sided. You know, the, uh, the last few seasons... Um, one of the teams is at home field advantage. Oh, yeah, yeah. So they, they've said they're not going to do that anymore. Mm. And they're just going to make it that it's in Dallas every year. Oh, <laughs> get out of here! 
<laughs> sorry, I couldn't resist. I'm still hurting, man. Oh, I'm man. still hurting. I'm, I'm sorry. Like, Although the Bears have got a new but, coach. What? Bears have got a new coach. Get ready. Wait, I didn't. I didn't see this. How did oh I, yeah. How did I miss it? Who's who's the new coach? I have no idea. He's from Indianapolis. Okay. He was at the right, Colts. Yeah, yeah, with the Colts, and they had a pretty good run here at the end. I was kind of hoping Jim Harbaugh would have went to the Bears personally. Yeah, but but anyway, yeah, I'm rooting for. I think I'm rooting for the Rams too, just because of. of Matt Stafford. Yeah. In fact, I saw a, a, a tweet that said, you know, Matt Stafford's in the Super Bowl. Eminem is in the Super Bowl. This is the closest Detroit's got to a Super Bowl ever. You <laughs> <laughs> know, all the Detroit Lions fans yeah. that are that are rooting for yeah. uh, Matt Stafford. But he's a cool guy. So I'm, I'm rooting for them. But you know what? Cin- uh, Cincinnati has a great story. I used to live in Ohio. Um, youth pastor there for about a year and a half. So if they win, I'll be cool with that. Love Love the quarterback and the wide receiver and their kicker. It's a great story. It's good for football. It's going to be fun. Let's do it. Yeah, it's going to be good. It's going to yeah. be good. I'm, I'm uh, looking forward to it. So we're both going for Rams. Okay. Yeah, go right. Rams and commercials. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you, the commercials are good. They are good. They are good. Now, you know, uh, I've, I've shared this before, but one year, so you know Ethan and Clay are out in Mosaic. Yeah. Erwin McManus, the pastor is also a film producer. And one year, right, mm-hmm. he created, it was a competition, and <clears throat> the competition was, if you won it, you, you would, it would be aired half-time, right? Yep. And it had to, be do, had to do with Doritos. So the way they did it was, the last six people who were down to the finals, they flew to the Super Bowl... So yeah, it, this was a, not not mosaics contest, Doritos contest, Doritos yes. contest with the Super Bowl. Yep, yep, I remember. And, it. and so they're in the sky boxes. They wouldn't know until it was aired who had won, and Irwin McManus's commercial won. That is fascinating. They never yeah. knew that. And if you go on Doritos, it's the one where there's a guy who's in a coffin, and they open up the coffin, and there's Doritos in there. And I think his hand comes up with a with a bag or something like that. Was Owen McManus' so commercial? Dad, why, you know what? He's so creative; doesn't surprise me. Can't wait to get him on Revival Town podcast. I'm trying, I'm but trying. you know what? Quick story. I know we got to go, but check this out. So back in 2005, Rock Church had a commercial during the Super Bowl locally, locally, obviously not nationally. Oh, yeah, or yeah. you know, I'd be living in a better house. But, yeah. um, but, <laughs> no, but locally, and um, somebody had 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 funded that. And we played off of the fact that back in the day, I used to get it all the time that I looked like Sammy Hagar. So we tied that into this cool commercial. I'm going to have to post the commercial we on, our, should. on, we our, should. on our Instagram. But so we can have a good laugh. Yeah. So we you can know, make yeah. fun of me. You know what's next, though? Tate and his mate. Here we go. <laughs> okay, so just wanted to remind you what you were listening to. Okay, so... Do this one real quick. Are you ready? Ready. I feel like having a cup of Rosie Lee. A cup of Rosie Lee? Cup of Rosie Lee. Cup of Rosie Lee. A cup of Ro- I'm going to say it's a type of tea because you'd love to have a spot of tea and we've we've made tea on the podcast before, but the way you're looking at me is I'm guessing I'm way off. You are right. What? Rosie Lee was the rhyming cockney slang for tea. The Remy Clockley slang. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, I've talked to you about there was a whole like 
other dialect down yeah. in London. Okay, yeah. Called rhyming Cockney slang. Yes. And so if you go down to London, a lot of places they'll be like, I'm so, going to have a Rosie Lee. Rosie Lee. Have you heard the new band Guns and Rosie Lee? <laughs> So there you go. So you can use that if you want a cup of tea. Go and have a bit of Rosie Lee. Love it. Let's do it. All right. So, uh, Chuck, till next week. All right, man. Everyone, make sure you're listening, uh, sharing on social media, and uh, give us a bit of a review. Yes. Apple Podcasts, please give us a... Give us a review. We'd appreciate that. All right. We will see you all or hear from you all next week. See ya. listening to this episode of Revival Town Podcast. Make sure you're following us on social media and remember to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information, head on over to RevivalTownPodcast.com. Oh,